want you to imagine uh, this scenario. Mom and dad are getting ready to come to church on a Sunday morning. They have a little girl, a little boy. A little girl named Jane is 10 years old. Her little brother is eight. And they're, they're fussing and arguing and kind of slow about getting moving in the morning. But mom and dad finally get them in the car and, and they start driving to church. They, they don't have a long drive. But in, in the midst of the drive, the, the little boy, John, just reaches over and slaps the snot out of his sister. Well, she's not going to put up with that. She's 10. He's the little brother. And so she slaps him back and yells a vile word at him. Well, that, now it's on. Uh, he, John gets angry. He, he grabs his, his uh, water bottle and throws it at Jane before mom and dad are able to get a handle on this. Now, now realize this is a completely made-up story, okay? <laughs> no, no foundation in truth whatsoever, or at least in, in, in uh, history. They finally get to church, and, and dad's got them calmed down, and he said, okay, before we go in here to worship Jesus... I think that the two of you need to pray. And, and you know, John, since you started it, what, why don't you pray first? And so John bows his head and, and he prays, Lord, I'm so sorry. I, I was wrong. I, I shouldn't have hit my sister. Or forgive me for throwing my water bottle at her. Amen. Well, Jane just sits there. Dad turns around and says, Jane, do you have anything to say to God? She bows her little head and says, thank you, God, that I'm not a horrible sinner like my brother. <laughs> Amen. Now, I can't imagine kids doing anything like that. Can you? Jesus told the story that that's exactly like us as adults. He told the parable in Luke 18 of the tax collector and the Pharisee who went up to the temple to pray and the Pharisee, now the tax collector broke, with a broken heart prayed and asked for God's forgiveness while the Pharisee simply prayed, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like those sinners. Folks, that's where we have to stand carefully and cautiously. Because regardless of what side of, of the inflammatory issue that is taking that, that we that we see going on in our our community right now, it's it's not new. It's not new to our nation. It's been happening all around us. But it's come to Wataka. That's where we have to be cautious to stand on grace and truth, not give in on truth, but to be very cautious to remember. that our only hope is Jesus and his forgiveness. We cannot approach even the middle with the spirit of a Pharisee. We have to remain humble before an almighty God. That is not completely out of bounds, and it's a pretty good introduction for where we head today in Philemon. Today, we're looking at Philemon's role in the, the restoration, uh, the healing that Paul desired to see between Philemon and Onesimus and within the body of, of the church. So let me read the text once again, and we'll do this again next week. We'll read the text next week when we look at Onesimus' uh, standpoint. The scripture says in Philemon, 
Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and co-worker, to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God when I mention you in my prayers because I hear of your love for all the saints and the faith that you have in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your participation in the faith may become effective through knowing every good thing that is in us for the glory of Christ. For I have great joy and encouragement from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. For this reason, although I have great boldness in Christ to command you to do what is right, I appeal to you instead on the basis of love. I, Paul, an elder man, and now also a prisoner of Christ, appeal to you for my son Onesimus. I became his father while I was in chains. Once he was useless to you, but now he is useful both to you and to me. I'm sending him back to you. I'm sending my very own heart. I wanted to keep him with me so that in my imprisonment for the gospel, he might serve me in your place. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent so that your good deed might not be out of obligation, but for, of your own free will. For perhaps this is why he was separated from you for a brief time, so that you might get him back permanently, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a dearly loved brother. He is especially so to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would me. And if he was, has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it, not to mention to you that you owe me even your very self. Yes, Brother, may I benefit from you in the Lord, refresh my heart in Christ. Since I am confident of your obedience, I am writing to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. Meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, since I hope that through your prayers, I'll be restored to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings as so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my co-workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. Last week, I worked through the background of Philemon, of, of the reason that Paul wrote this letter. We looked at where it was written to, uh, where these folks lived, and I won't do all of that. Certainly, uh, for those of you that heard it last week, uh, you, you don't need to hear it again. If you're curious, you can go back uh, and listen to the beginning of last week's message. But last week, we focused in on Paul as the intercessor or the one who is used to, to reconcile. Today I want to look at, for reconciliation to take place, it, it also there was a requirement that Philemon do the right thing, and then next week we're going to look at what Onesimus had to do for things to be made right. Because Paul served as the intermediary, but if Philemon did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord, there'd never be healing. And if Onesimus did not approach things the way that God had called him to approach things, there would never be healing. So there was a requirement that they all do what was right. And in reality, every one of us in this room will at some point find ourselves in the place of Onesimus. We'll be the offender. We'll be the one who wronged a brother or sister in Christ, a friend. We need to learn from Onesimus how to deal with that. Some of us will be like a Paul. God will put us in a position to help bring reconciliation where there's brokenness. 
But today we're going to examine what if you're that person who's been offended? What if you're the brother in Christ who somebody treated you wrong? And they're coming back to, to apologize. They're coming back to make things right. What is your obligation? What would the Lord have you do? And that's what I want us to look at today from this text. First, Philemon is going to be required to show love. That's going to be incumbent upon Philemon. Now, Paul makes that point in the first paragraph in two different ways. The first way he makes this is he suggests that Philemon needs to show the kind of love to Onesimus that God showed to him. Okay? Hear that. Philemon, as the one who's been wronged, needs to be willing to show the, the kind of love to Onesimus that God showed to Philemon. If you are a recipient of the grace and mercy of God through his son, Jesus Christ, you have no right not to extend that mercy to others. Paul tells Philemon, he said, I've heard of your love. I've, I've heard of, of your faith in Christ, that, that you participate in verse 6, your participation in the faith. I'm praying that it may be made effective. What's he, what's he asking there? He's asking that, that the, the faith that Philemon claims to hold to, the God that Philemon claims to, to worship, and in fact has, has shown evidence that he's a follower of Christ, that that live itself out right here in these circumstances. It's one thing to claim that you're loving, to claim uh, the, the God who, who sent his son to die for you, but it's another thing to live it out. And so Paul's prayer is that as he has seen the love of Philemon expressed for the saints and the faith that he has in Lord Jesus, that that faith be lived out right now in this situation when Onesimus needs that love. So he's asking Onesimus to love the, I mean, he's asking Philemon to love Onesimus as God loved him. He's asking Onesimus, Philemon to love Onesimus as God loves Onesimus as well. I know that I even stumbled over my words there, so it made it a little bit more confusing. It's incumbent upon Philemon to love the one who offended him, just as it was incumbent as God forgave Philemon, because of his love. God also loves Onesimus. In Onesimus' sin, God loves the sinner. No matter what his sin was, God loves the sinner. And so if we are going to be true expressions of a God who loves even when we are wronged, we are going to love that sinner as Christ loved that sinner. This week, I, I grew closer uh, to one of the pastors down the road. We had met for breakfast a few times before. We've prayed together. But this week, we shared a common burden. Uh, Lynn Nichols, in particular, is the pastor I spent a little bit more time with this week. He's the pastor of uh, the Northside Nazarene Church. 
And he struggled and prayed and struggled and, and talked to me and, and about how to handle things. He felt like the Lord because they're right next to uh, what's going on that he needed to put something on his sign. And, and he, he went through all kinds of phrases that, that he struggled with. And, uh, you know, the, the problem is right now in our culture, there's a lot of trigger words. And if you use one of those trigger words, it can cause more issues, uh, e even if the word, the meaning of the word is correct in your usage of it. So you have to be careful. So he settled on putting on his sign, simply love others as I love you. Jesus. And I said, Lynn, that's awesome. Can I put it on my sign too? <laughs> love others as I love you. Folks, that's what Paul was asking Philemon to do. Paul was asking Philemon to love Onesimus as God had loved him. And if we begin our relationships, our our, our the, the foundation of our relationship with other people, if we begin with loving them as God loved us, we can't go wrong. Because the love of God won't allow you to stay in your sin. The love of God will, be, will call you out of your sin. But the love of God will certainly do it with compassion and mercy. Philemon was commanded. He was told he needed to show love. Onesimus. Second, Philemon was encouraged by Paul to trust God's plan. I thought this was interesting, the way Paul approached this in the middle of this letter. He basically put it this way. He said, you know what, Philemon, I know that this has kind of caused a disruption in your household. Onesimus ran away. Uh, he's, he, you've lost his employment. You've, you've lost the work that he would have accomplished during that time. But let me suggest something to you. Maybe, Paul says, just maybe, God allowed this to happen for your ultimate good. Maybe God allowed Onesimus to leave as a part of his purposes so that when you got him back, he would accomplish more. There was a, there, there was a time when he was gone, but now, because he's not just a slave, he's your brother. Maybe it was God's plan for your good. I saw one of those uh, little video clips this week that was kind of an encouraging story. It was a story of, of uh, two lumberjacks who every day they worked together. They would, they would come in the morning, they'd start work at the same time, they'd go to chopping on trees. And uh, one of the lumberjacks every day would disappear for an hour around lunchtime though. The other one would sit down, eat a quick lunch, go right back to chopping wood. And every day, day after day after day, for weeks on end, the, the, the lumberjack who, who did not leave, he could not figure out why. At the end of the day, the other lumberjack had more lumber piled up. And so he finally asked him, he said, look, we, we chop wood the same amount of time. We seem to be working at the same pace every, every day. And every day you chop more wood than I do. And you do it by leaving for an hour in the middle of the day. He said, where'd you go every time? And he says, I go home to eat lunch and sharpen my axe. God, maybe Paul says, God removed Onesimus from you, Philemon, for a period of time to make him better. 
not just make him better, but now he is a child of God. Now he's not just a slave, he's a brother in Christ. And how much better might that be for you in the long run? Trust God's plan. Trust God's plan in that. Because we don't always get why God allows some things to happen to us. Maybe even that unfair treatment from a brother is a part of God's design <laughs> to sharpen us or to prepare us for something. But, and so what Paul's asking Philemon to do is to look in the midst of this, I'm asking you to love as God loved, and I'm asking you to trust God in his purpose and plan. You know, and the reality is maybe it doesn't work out for Philemon's benefit in the long run. Maybe it doesn't work out for his business, but maybe, more importantly, it works out for the good of the kingdom of God. See, not everything is meant to be for your benefit so that you don't hurt, so that you get rich. Maybe God allows some things in our lives for his kingdom. This morning I was driving here on Father's Day, and there's a song that I've, I generally avoid when it comes up on the, on the radio or on my phone. I'll change channels. It is, it's called Who Am I? A song by Casting Crowns. And it was a song that was very meaningful to us. It came out right before Katie passed away. And if you hear the song and you think of Katie, as we did, uh, you, you'd understand. So I usually just avoid it, but it, it was running in the background today. And uh, man... It hit. I started crying on the way here. And I don't know. I thought, why? Why? It's been, gosh, 18 years. Maybe because it's Father's Day. I don't know. But it struck me, and I don't fully understand God's purpose and God's plan for Katie. But maybe part of God's plan for making me Katie's father, making Katie the one, she's the one who made me a father, dad. Maybe part of God's plan for that had nothing to do with making me happy or fulfilling me. Maybe it had something to do with his kingdom that's a whole lot bigger than me. And in that, we just simply have to trust God. Yeah. Onesimus' sin was still sin. Don't get me wrong. What Onesimus did was wrong. Paul called, tells, tells us that. But even in those circumstances, perhaps God had a purpose for Philemon. And then third, Philemon was required ultimately to forgive. In reality, forgiveness is our mandate. Paul says, look, <laughs> I'm the older brother here. I'm your spiritual father. I could demand that you forgive because that is what's right. I can make you do it. I'm not gonna because I'm gonna appeal on the basis of love. Paul was asking Philemon to, to first extend mercy to Onesimus, to accept him back, to receive him back into his household and not punish him for, what, for, for his sin, not punish him for, for leaving so Paul was asking Philemon both to extend mercy, but Paul was also asking Philemon to go beyond that. In fact, he goes on to say, uh, brother, I believe that you'll do even more than what I've asked you to do. 
Paul's asking Philemon not only to extend mercy and not punish Onesimus for what he'd done, he's asking Philemon to go the extra mile and give grace to Philemon, to, to Onesimus, and extend his grace to Paul. What, what authority, what right does Paul have to ask that of Philemon? Philemon's the one who's been wronged. Paul does that on the basis of Jesus's authority because that's exactly what Jesus did for us and what he asked us to do for others. First, to extend mercy. And second, go beyond that and show grace. That's what God did for us. He sent his son to die on a cross and shed his blood to pay the penalty for our sin so that we would not have to face the punishment that we deserve because of our sin. That's his mercy. But beyond that, God said, I'm going to give you a blessing. I'm going to pour out my Holy Spirit upon you. My spirit is going to be with you. He's going to be in you. I'm going to make you my child. And when you take your last breath on this earth, you will take your first breath in my presence. You'll wake up in my presence in heaven. God poured out his gift of grace upon us and gave us eternal life. His mercy was poured out on us so that we don't have to die for our sin. His grace goes far beyond that and called us into his household. He adopted us as his children that we might receive eternal, everlasting life. That's a picture of God's grace. Paul asked Philemon, just as Christ has given you mercy and grace, so must you. And in fact, folks, I started just to simply call this third point the Christian's mandate. Yes, Philemon was required to forgive. But that's the mandate that's been given to every single one of us as believers. You see it in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus says, pray like this, Father, forgive me of my trespasses, as I forgive those who have trespassed against me. Wow, wait a minute. Are you telling me that I have to forgive? Jesus gives a parable later on in Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18 is the passage where, where people love to go to, 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 to study church discipline. See, see, that's where you can bring, bring the heat. That's where when somebody sins against you, he gives you a prescription for, for straightening them out. First, you go to the brother and you tell them what they did wrong. And if they don't straighten up, then you take somebody with you and you both tell them what they did wrong. And if they don't respond then, then you bring them before the church and you kick them out. This is the message of church discipline. That's what Matthew 18 is all about. That's not the tone of what Matthew 18 is all about. Matthew 18, the, the passage before that teaching on church discipline is the parable of the lost sheep, where Jesus says, I leave behind the 99 and I go after the one. And the passage immediately following the message on church discipline is this. Peter approached him and asked, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed 10,000 talents was brought before him. And since he did not have the money to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. 
At this, the servant fell down, face down before him and said, be patient with me and I'll pay you everything. And then the master of the servant had compassion, released him and forgave him the loan. That servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and he started choking him and he said, pay what you owe me. At this, the fellow servant fell down begging him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and he threw him into prison until he could pay what he owed. When the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. Then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. So also my heavenly father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. Wait a minute, that's just a parable. Certainly we've got to be missing the meaning right there. God can't, tell, can't, can't be really telling us that if we don't forgive others, that he won't forgive us. That he, he's going to treat us that same way. And yet... The two verses that immediately follow the Lord's Prayer that we looked at back in Matthew 6 are pretty clear. Or if you forgive others their offenses, your Heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. There's something about God's economy that says those who have truly received my mercy will show mercy. You can say you've received God's mercy. You can have walked an aisle. You can have been baptized. You can know all the theology in the world. You can, you can be the smartest and have memorized the scripture. God's word seems to indicate that if you cannot show mercy and give forgiveness, you're not his anyway. saw something else this morning that it said that the, the Garrisonian demoniac filled with a thousand demons recognized Jesus. Victor pointed out that really the demons recognized Jesus. That almost makes the point even more harsh. But the Pharisees who knew a thousand scriptures did not recognize Jesus. It's scary. This passage is scary. Paul was calling Philemon to do something that he fully expected Philemon to do, to forgive the one who had offended him based on the fact that Philemon himself had displayed that he was a follower of Christ who had received forgiveness. Scripture is not unclear here, folks. First and foremost, it calls us to humility. Never can we stand in a position that says we're better. We can only come and stand in a place that says, I'm broken and I need Jesus. And with that, it leaves us with no option but to show the love of Christ to others who are broken. Even if their sin, even if their offense was directed at you, 
as was Onesimus' sin. The good news is there is forgiveness in Christ and there is hope in him. He came to save sinners just like us that we might have forgiveness and eternal life. You've been listening to a Sunday morning message from our services here at First Baptist Watauga. Our family's mission is to exalt the Savior, equip the saints, and evangelize the lost. If you want to know more about First Baptist Watauga or need to reach out to us for prayer, go to fbcwatauga.org and let us know. In all things, to God be the glory, honor, and